You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Odessa, Texas. You can connect with us online by visiting RedeemerChurchOdessa.org. Good morning. Uh, My name is Robert, and I'm in community here with uh, my wife, Heather, and our two kids. And I'm going to be reading uh, Philippians 3.12, and it's through the uh, ESV. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory in their shame. They glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Uh, Glad you guys are with us this morning. I want to say a big thank you to Caleb and our guys from Redeemer San Angelo coming and helping us out. Uh, That way, I don't have to try and do the songs and preach because last time I did that, I went home and crashed, and that was really exhausting. Uh, Also, you guys didn't have to hear me singing poorly into a microphone this morning, so thankful for that. Uh, My name is Matt Bertrand, and I'm one of the pastors here at Redeemer Odessa. If you're new here, if you haven't been here before, we're so glad you're here with us this morning. Um, we'd love to get to connect with you and meet you. We are using the ESV Bible. Uh, if you need a copy, raise your hand and we'll get you one. If you are using one of these fancy things, you can pull it up on there as well. Um, we're going to be continuing walking through Philippians this morning. And this book was written as a letter by the Apostle Paul to this church that he helped establish during a missionary journey to take the gospel to the known world at the time. And the letter is full of joy, despite him being imprisoned when he's writing it. And like a father writing to his kids, to his beloved children, Paul encourages them. He encourages them and exhorts them to pursue holiness while holding fast to the gospel alone. In the midst of this joy and exhortation, we also see his brokenness for those that have forsaken the cross and chose only their works to save them. And they've also made their gods their own appetites. Paul, we see, is held up as this prime example of what to follow, what it means to be the servant of Christ. But in this encouragement to be like him, he's really quick to acknowledge that it's not about him at all. And he drops one of the quickest and most densely beautiful lines of the gospel in all of Scripture. Let's pray, and we're going to dive into the Word of God this morning. Lord, thank you for this body you've given us. Thank you for 
this church that we get to gather with to come and to look into your word and to worship together. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just open our eyes and ears, that you would open our minds as we read your word, that we would understand it better, that we would understand you and know you more. That, Jesus, you would just become more and more glorious in our eyes. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So last week, Tanner walked us through Paul's list of accreditations, right? His resume, if you will. He's holding up all these things that he once clung on to for his own righteousness, his own justification. He had everything going for him that he could possibly have, and he realized it was all just nothing but refuse and garbage. Rubbish. When held in light of Christ crucified. And his righteousness that was freely given to us. Paul counted it all as loss for the surpassing joy of knowing Christ and sharing in his suffering and his resurrection. And then Paul kind of brings it down to our level a bit. He kind of starts to relate to wretches like you and I. Starting in verse 12, we see that not, only have, uh, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Paul said that all he wants is Christ, to know him, to be like him, to honor him, and yet he's not perfect yet. Now, when he uses this word perfect here, it's really more regarding completeness, okay? Lacking nothing, not so much flawless like we might think. As much as he desires this resurrection power of Christ, he's still on this side of the resurrection. He's still on this side of glory with Christ in heaven. There's still this work that needs to be done in him and through him and for him. That's what we call sanctification. Being made holy and set apart. So does this mean that Paul still has to work in order to be saved? Is Paul stating that his salvation is in question? Not at all. I was asking, waiting for you guys to answer, and none of you did. <laughs> it wasn't really a rhetorical question. But when we look in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, we see that it tells us, For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. For by this one offering he, meaning Christ, has forever made us perfect as we are being made holy. We are already deemed as good and righteous and deserving and perfect by the work of Christ on our behalf. Yet we see that there's still this ongoing process of being completed. Through his death and resurrection, Christ has for once and for all time, I'll say that again, once and for all time, said, forgiven, clean, perfect. Yet day to day we are being renewed and cleansed as we travel down this road. It makes me think of The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. In this book, the main character named Christian is told that the only way to remove this unyielding burden on his back is to enter through this narrow gate. So he finds this gate and enters through with the help of these others on his journey. And he comes across this man on this hill. This man is hanging on a cross. 
as he fixes his eyes upon him, as his gaze turns upon this man, this burden falls from his shoulders and into this empty tomb. But that's only the first part of the story, really. That's like act one. The rest of the book is about him journeying to the celestial city. He was already saved. That burden is gone and dead. His sins were taken from him, yet he still struggled with doubt, confusion, these lies as he journeyed on this pilgrim's path. And just like us, Paul hasn't reached completion yet, but he presses on. He presses on to own and to obtain this perfection. And I love this little section right here. Some translations read that he is pressing on to possess the perfection for which Christ first possessed him. Or another way that it was worded us all is, I want to lay hold of this perfection because Christ has already laid hold of me. This is so short and can almost be passed by, but it's so beautiful, and I don't want us to just rush through it. This is the gospel condensed into just a handful of words. No, I'm not perfect yet. I'm not perfected on this side of the resurrection, this side of heaven, but I'm assured I will get there because Christ is the one who took hold of me. If he is the one who took me, claimed me, chose me, then he will definitely see his work through to the end. Christian, hear this. Scripture tells us that before creation, the cross was always the plan. That before the foundation of the world itself, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit made this pact to redeem a people for themselves. In fact, Revelation 13 tells us that as believers, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life that was written before time itself. The Christian is simply the one who realizes the saving work that was done for them. They realize, they come to this realization through the power of the Holy Spirit in them that this saving work was done. If you didn't start the work of saving, then how can you daily renew yourself? How can you keep yourself progressing forward if you didn't start that process? He will indeed finish the work that he began in you And he will renew you day by day as you trust and grow in him. But it's hard to be renewed and to progress day by day. And it's hard to take hold of this perfection if we're still clinging on to the past. Verse 13 says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. We just finished Halloween, and it's already Christmas season. My tree is up. Uh, lights are on the house. Stockings are up. Believe it. But the thing is, I used to love horror movies, okay? I still do, to be honest. Especially kind of bad horror movies, like the more ridiculous, kind of the better. So the early 2000s, the early aughts, if you will, had great ones, but I'm also kind of slightly biased because that was like my formative years. But there was always some scene where some unfortunate soul was running from this terror that was besetting them, okay? And what do they do? They keep turning around. 
Like, just run. Just assume the bad guy or whatever is behind you and just pump your legs. But they keep turning around, and then what happens? They trip. They fall into this ravine. They step in a trap, something. And then it's curtains. In fact, we were watching Ernest Scared Stupid, (laughs) which is one of the greatest movies of our era. And even my daughter Paisley was like, just run. Because the troll was following like the main kid, and the troll's legs are like this long. And that kid could easily outrun him, but what does he do? He keeps looking back. He keeps falling off fences and all this stuff. Just look ahead. We've all made mistakes. We've all had these lapses in judgment. And we've all fallen way short of this perfection that we are called to. Romans tells us that there is not one who hasn't sinned. And yet, we love to beat ourselves up as if we're the only screw-ups in this room, right? Now, this by no means is telling us that we have this license to not reconcile. We are called to confess. We're called to repent. We're called to seek forgiveness and to reconcile with those that we've hurt. But you don't get to keep wallowing in that guilt, you don't get to keep wallowing in that guilt. By doing so, we're effectively telling Christ that his sacrifice was not enough. And we're saying that we are a better judge than the Father. That sounds dangerous. That sounds more dangerous than running through a swamp with a maniac behind you. Your sins are counted no more. Martin Luther says that in his commentary on Galatians that though our old enemies of sin and guilt and death will continue to try and haunt us, they have no victory here. What then are we to keep in view? If we're not to keep our eyes back and keep reminding ourselves and being ourselves up over past mistakes, past sins, what should our eyes be fixed upon? Verse 14 says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So here Paul uses the words goal and prize. A goal is something that we're striving for that we're working for. We're putting this effort in. But a prize is what's given to the victor. That's what you get at the end. So Tanner has often said that the gospel is opposed to earning, but not opposed to effort. And we have to make a distinction here. The legalist is one who would say, you know what, I am determined to earn my salvation through keeping the law, through works, through working my way to heaven. That's what my salvation is dependent upon. But that's not the gospel. The flip side of that, we would call license. 
because we've received this grace and this mercy, that doesn't mean, you know what, I can do what I want. I have free reign. I have license to live how I want, and I can be passive recipients of this. I want you to think about it this way. Jesus is our goal. He is what we're striving for day by day in the power of the Holy Spirit. He is who and what we are to emulate and resemble. The word Christian means little Christ. We should look like him. He is worthy of our effort. But here's the kicker with this. He's also the prize that has already been given to us. The Father has called you in His Son, meaning because of Christ, you are already set. Think back again to that book of life where your name is written. You have the prize already. And Christ, as our prize, is what then allows us to pursue the goal of being like Him. His Spirit is in you, drawing you, growing in you. His Word will not return void and empty. We've won the race already. In Christ, we are already victors. But now let's finish this thing well and run free towards Him. And you can't run when you're holding on to these weights of the past. So again, Hebrews tells us to drop everything that is holding us down so that we can run with endurance the race to the end. As we look to Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, meaning he's the one who started it, he's the one that's going to see it through, and he's the one that's going to complete it. This is so good, Christian. I think so many of us need to hear this. Let go of the sins, the guilt, the self-condemnation that is weighing you down and run freely in light of the gospel that saves. He called you. Because he has called you, you have this faith in him for your sealed salvation. Because you have this faith in him, his spirit is in you. Because his spirit is in you, you can run the race as you grow in him. Knowing that, you cannot lose this free gift that has been given to you already and sealed. You can then work out your salvation without fear of losing it. We can pursue him through reading of the word, through prayer, through disciplines like scripture memorization. All in the freedom that he offers as we grow and learn and use what the Holy Spirit shows us in Scripture, we have this snowball effect of more and more Christ. Christ is our end, and He is also the means to that end as we run to Him. Hold tight to this gospel of Christ crucified and Christ resurrected. Hold tight to your sonship that has been bought and paid for. Paul then switches gears a little bit with his exhortation to be like him, to be free like him. Verse 17 says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. 
For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as an enemy of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. At first pass, verse 17 can seem really kind of prideful. Okay. Up to this point, like we've already seen where Paul has said, all of his accomplishments are just waste. All of his accolades mean, accolades mean nothing. And then he comes to this exhortation to tell us to be like him. But a couple things to keep in mind. So you and I can pull up any verse and any translation we want to within seconds on this little handheld computer. We can walk into just about any bookstore in the country, find any translation of the Bible we want. We can find the entirety of canon like that. This church didn't necessarily have that. They needed examples to follow, tangible outworkings of a life free and devoted to Christ. And that example for them was Paul. I think about my kids. Side note, my kids decided to be back there instead of hearing me preach, so I don't know what that says. I gave them the option, but Kim is doing an awesome job back there with the kids' ministry. Kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. Now, hear me, though. I am very much a sinner in need of grace. Do I have it all together? Not at all. But I am being transformed day by day by the Holy Spirit, and I go to this fountain of grace day by day. And though I pursue the Lord imperfectly, I hope that my kids can see what I do and follow my lead. I want my kids to see the importance that their dad places on confession, asking forgiveness, reading, prayer, serving sacrificially and joyfully. I want them to see that their dad is loving people and his church to the glory of God. I want them to follow me and inti- not intimidate, imitate me. They do intimidate me. Canon's a lot. I want them to imitate me because there are a lot of examples in our culture right now and in the world that will just lead them to ruin. Paul is broken because he hurts for those that have forsaken the cross. He hurts for those Jewish brothers of his that cannot seem to let go of this law that leads to death and step into the righteousness that Jesus so freely has offered them. Paul even talks about he wishes he could trade places with his Jewish brothers, that they would get it and that he would be forsaken at their expense. He hurts for those that choose to be their own God. I said earlier that our end is Christ. But for those that make themselves their own God, their end is destruction. Yes, as Christians, we should be examples worth following because the world is broken. But are you worthy of that imitation? Spoiler alert. Apart from the grace of God, none of us are. Especially me. But where we fall short, Christ does not. Where we disappoint, 
he accomplishes, and his spirit is in you and I. From the fall of Adam in the garden, we have been under this lie that we can work, or sorry, that we can be like God. That was the lie, right? Eat this and you'll be like God. And since that time, we have been striving to either save ourselves via this burden of law that we can work our way to heaven and put God in our debt. Or we're going to save ourselves by becoming our own gods and satisfying our every desire. But either way is going to lead us to death and destruction. I hate many of the things I see around us. There's so much that is competing for our affections and the affections of our kids. On social media, we follow influencers and celebrities. But what are we actually following? And let's just also acknowledge that by all accounts, the world seems like it's gone a little crazy here lately. There's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of confusion and chaos that seems to be around us. My heart hurts for this. But I rest in the fact that God is good and he is in control. God is sovereign. Though the nations rage and the seas roar and foam, he is in control. And Roman tells us that in his plan, he has called those to salvation and those to destruction, all for his glory alone. Some, some of these passages can kind of rub us the wrong way. And I think a lot of that is because we're dealing with a holy God. When you look in the Old Testament, this God was so holy that when his presence was on this mountain, that even if an animal touched the mountain, set foot on it, they had to be killed, let alone a person. We tend to apply our own sense of fairness onto this holy God because we still have such a low view of our own sin. The fact that any of us have been saved, that any have been called, is a miracle of miracles and a mercy of mercies. Paul knows this, and he's broken by it. Two things can be true at the same time. He can at once hate that people are on their way to destruction, but also know that God is good and true in this. His eyes are not stuck there. They're looking forward to this coming joy. In verse 20, this is when it gets really, really good, too. We see, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform, transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This broken and sad world is not our home. Praise God. <laughs> I was listening to this podcast by this group of pastors, and they said that no matter how we might try, we cannot make Babylon into the new Jerusalem to come. 
Now, when you look at Babylon in the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament, it's really seen and held up as this pinnacle of wickedness that must be overthrown. The Israelites were even exiled at one point and had to go live in this foreign land of wickedness. And in the book of Jeremiah, they were called, hey, while you're in this wicked land, we want you to work for the good of this country, work for the good of its people. But no, no matter how much they tried, no matter how hard they worked, they could not turn that into the new Jerusalem that was to come. We are travelers. We're exiles. We're sojourners in Babylon. We're there. Our home isn't here. And as much as I love our country, its history, its blessings, my first allegiance is to Christ as King and to His coming kingdom where everything will be made new. There's a pastor and theologian, his name is Michael Beck. He's from either Australia or New Zealand, so everything he says sounds really smart and awesome. But he he was talking about that as Christians, we have one foot in heaven and one foot in Babylon. And that because of that, we have this assurance because of the cross and the empty tomb Our sins have been forgiven. Our future is set. But yet we're still here. We still struggle. We're still going to have these sins that we have to fight through. But the awesome thing is, this citizenship is never going away. No matter what I might fall into here, I am covered by grace, and my citizenship is sealed and signed. And what's awesome, he, he took it a step further that when we stop and we think about this, we have even more of this blessing of God than Adam did pre-fall. Now, Adam was made by the hands of God himself. He breathed life into him. And that's awesome. He walked with the Lord, but his future wasn't set like ours. You and I, as we travel through this world, through this life, this is set. We have that rest. Adam wasn't guaranteed that. That's an awesome thing to realize, that our rest, our Sabbath, our new Jerusalem, our heaven is set, and we are citizens there. And because of that, as Christians, we can keep pressing on through hard times through heartache, through sorrow, because we're looking forward to being glorified in Christ. If the end sum of life was to die from disease, old age, violence, trauma, that would be a pretty miserable existence. As a home health worker, I see people at their lowest. No friends, no family to take care of them. Sometimes they don't have essentials of food and water. They might be sitting in their own mess in a diaper for hours waiting for someone to come and help clean them and change them because they can't do it themselves. 
broken families, broken lives, and broken people, broken bodies. This can't be it. But we can face suffering. We can face bad news. We can face scary diagnoses. We can face the hardship of this world. Because one day, death will be no more. Death and sin and sickness have been defeated, and the grave has been robbed of its prize. Christ is victorious, and he is coming back to usher in his kingdom, a new kingdom where sickness and our frail bodies will be no more. Then we will finally be complete and lacking nothing. We will finally possess and be able to finally take hold of that perfection for which he has first possessed us. And then we will get to enjoy him forever. If you are a believer, we can at once run the race with all we have while also resting in the fact that we have already been given the prize. We are already victors. We can run with our eyes fixed on Christ and his coming back to complete that work that he has begun in us. If you aren't a believer, this rest is there for you too. The work has been done for you. Christ came for you, even when you were his enemy. And he has once and for all time made you perfect before the Lord. He calls you clean, forgiven. We just come to that realization. Let's pray.